And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Mr. and Mrs. America, and all the ships at sea, conversationalists across the fruited plain, captains courageous, princes of the universe, people on the wrong side of the tracks, and the ladies who lunch, it is Open Line Friday. And this comes at the end of a really busy week. How's everybody doing? We had uh, we had some interesting things happen this week. We had the Roald Dahl situation. There's a follow-up on that. We've got uh, the Warner Brothers Discovery earnings call yesterday. We've got some rumors, some stuff coming out of uh, WDW Pro and Doomcock and all sorts of different things. So, so today is the day where I surrender a little bit of control of the program. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. Glad to have all of you with us. Give a shout out to everybody who's listening to this as a podcast. Because some of you listen to this as a podcast, and that's fine. Uh, But we do have the live video on YouTube and Odyssey. Like uh, like Open Line Fridays in other shows, you can uh, help steer the course of the conversation today. <coughs> yeah, I, I, I say I'm in control. I say I surrender a little control today. Miss, Mrs. Boss probably has a little bit more control than she realizes over, over just general things. What do I have control over? Things in general. Really, never. You 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 make it seem like I have control, but then I don't have control. (laughs) But then later I find out whatever I wanted control over actually was done. Uh huh. Uh huh. She she influences. She's oh, a, I'm an influencer. She's an influencer. Yeah. Can I get some sponsorship <laughs> if I'm an influencer, please? Everybody, this way, hey, this way. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready for the super chats to start rolling in. You know, we'll get he some because yes, we keep everybody. getting we keep getting messages on uh, on Instagram. We keep getting messages on Instagram asking us to be, you know, inviting us to be ambassadors for various different things having to do with jewelry and pets. So, I mean. You would look fantastic in some of the jewelry we see, and I will take the pets all day long. But everybody who is paying attention right now, and speaking of Super Chats, next week on Open Line Friday, it is March 3rd. Do I I cut you off right now? uh, No, you keep your finger away from that button, sir. And it is his birthday. He is going to be turning the ripe young age of 53. So make sure that you have those super chap gifts ready uh-huh. and let you know show him the love. Show See, him the love. The thing a is, bit. I don't I don't push the super chats that much, mainly because YouTube. Mainly because YouTube takes fifty five percent of it. So, you know, it's uh, okay, I mean there are other ways that you could support the channel. There's the uh, there's there's the uh, subscribe star. There are the memberships. 
So, you know, there's there's different things to do. I but see, I don't I I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not sure about asking for money, you know? Although with the different with the different ideas that we've had for other channels, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well probably I need some some silent partner investors to give us money to start yeah. building out all of these channels because I've got ideas for just but besides Mr. Boss. besides poli sci for me, you know, with the political science, uh, I had a thought yesterday during our AI conversation about uh, science, technology, sci tech for me. And uh, then uh, we could do psyops for me. We could do lo-fi for me. I mean, there's all sorts of different variations that we do for that thing. So, <coughs> so I've asked, I said, 53, it's only downhill from there. I Look, I've been on the downhill run for a while. <laughs> so uh, give a shout-out to everybody else. Cam is there. Uh, JR is there. Uh, MS and let's see, uh, Death Angel Shadow hadn't shown up yet, but he will probably jump in here later with the Discord server link. Our email address, live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com, if you want to send us a comment after the fact. You can always leave a comment on the videos, you can leave a comment on the podcast. I guess you can leave a comment on the podcast. I don't know. At least give us a rating. <coughs> So anyway, all right. So uh, mentioned the roll doll thing. There's a there is a development in the roll doll thing. Associated Press reporting: Penguin to publish classic roll doll books after backlash. Now Penguin is the parent company of Puffin, <coughs> which is the children's imprint that was the center of controversy. Over the decision to print new, edited, heavily edited versions of Roald Dahl's stories. And, yeah, uh, Cam, they went all new Coke. I, I wonder. I wonder if that was the case. Uh, Variety, here's the headline, Roald Dahl publisher to re-release author's original text after editing Controversy. We are offering readers the choice. Here's Hollywood Reporter. Roald Dahl publisher bends to controversy will release classic version of controversial kids' books. Now, what these stories are getting into <coughs> is where the new Coke analogy uh, applies, I think. Uh, here's the AP. Publisher Penguin Random House announced Friday it will publish classic unexpurgated versions of Roald Dahl's children's novels after it received criticism for cuts and rewrites that were intended to make the books suitable for modern readers. I hate those words. Right? Re Reimagined for a modern audience. <clears throat> Along with the new editions, the company said several uh, 17 of Ro Dahl's books would be published in their original form later this year as the Roald Dahl Classic Collection so readers will be free to choose which version of Dahl's stories they prefer. So in other words, <coughs> they're not backing off of publishing the new versions. But in addition to the new versions, they're going to publish the classic versions in a new collection. Which that's people are sitting there going, Yeah, okay, new Coke, this is this is that let's create some controversy to generate some buzz to make some sales. Which is entirely possible. But 
If it were me. And I did send a strongly worded email to Puffin myself. <clears throat> I did say, I'm not going to spend any money with you. I will I will look elsewhere. But see, the thing is, if if Puffin and if Penguin Random House had any integrity, they would publish the classic collection and not publish the new modern audience versions. Because the blowback was such that they could sit there and say, okay, you guys don't want this, we won't do it. But they're not doing that. Instead, now we have what appears to be a crass marketing maneuver that we put this thing out there in order to generate controversy so that we could sell the classic line, because nobody's going to buy the new ones. <coughs> but it's entirely possible that somebody on the inside, some bean counter somewhere, some marketing yahoo went in and said, we could do an A-B test. See which one sells the best. Well, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Don't buy either one of them. Don't well, don't give them your money at all. You're still going to have the people out there. It's like when they decided they wanted to uh, <coughs> go against J.K. Rowling. So go buy her book so we can burn them. Yeah. Um, you're going to have those people who will go out and do it. I think it would be... I'm actually... I mean, I agree. Don't go out there. Don't do this. Don't support the stupidity of society trying to clean everything up to fit today's standards and not yesterday's. And But I am very curious to see what sales do and which would win. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, okay, fine. Put your money where it's, you know, l l you know, put the money down. Let's see what does sell. You know, obviously we know that something like Lightyear didn't sell. Nobody wanted it. What if they had done it without everything they did there as close as they could side by side which one would have been successful and well. here you're gonna finally have a chance to take something original and take something that's been messed up by the 1280 degree twitter people yeah and see which one actually does sell well and and this this goes back to the same kind of of debate that people are having over star trek picard you know, it's you know, if if you if you buy if you buy the classic collection from Penguin Random House Puffin, you're rewarding the people who wanted to do the 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 woke crap. The same as same as what Doomcock keeps saying. Well, if you support Picard season three, you're supporting Secret Hideout. And uh, Snob says, "Ugh, Picard. Season three is pretty good so far. We've seen, I've seen the first two episodes, and I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. This, this is a completely different show. <coughs> season one and two, you could completely ignore. Season three is brand new show, and I like it so far. Anyway, um, but this is the same kind of thing. If we spend money with Puffin on the classic collection that's going to come out soon." Are we rewarding the people what made the stupid decision in the first place to make these changes? And some blue hair land whale probably will will uh, will buy a copy of the of the new versions just to say they had. 
But I would go to the used bookstore. I'd go to Half Price Books. I'd go to, uh, you know, your your local bookstores and sit there and say, "Hey, you got your old doll? Let's 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 haggle." Cam says there's blue-haired librarians. Maybe. Maybe. <coughs> anyway, all right. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> ah, there he goes again. All right. So, yeah, it is open line Friday, which means you're going to get to call in. And let me do this. I will post the link and pin the link. So it's going to be at the top of the food chain there. And there, okay, it's posted both places over YouTube and Odyssey. So you can join the call, and we will see what we can see as far as, uh, as, far as people getting in here and, and, and join. Let's jaw a little bit today. Uh, all right. Cam, how are you, sir? Good. What's up? Uh, I've got a few uh, miscellaneous things to cover. Well, things that you, you talked about earlier this week. So okay. if um, sure, uh, I won't take too long. The the first one was about the the politics thing. Um, oh right. This this is a little bit convoluted of of a, of a desire here. Um, first is I don't like the everything is politics people. Um, I think that's a very unhealthy attitude to have. And they they end up driving things in a very bad way. And, and in relation to this, uh, I think you know you're debating on whether to have a politics channel or or a show. And and you could do that if you like. But what I wouldn't uh, like to see is anyone fall into the trap of talking about issues or cultural things and feeling the need to define those as politics because some weirdo who can't tell the difference between you know things does so you're basically saying we need to make a differentiation not just us but in the general in the general conversation space it it behooves us to make a differentiation between social issues things that are that are not necessarily political party type of things and you know make a difference between that and political party type of things right instead of instead of bringing bringing in certain particular party politics into whatever social question there is am i hearing that right yes i, I, I yes that's correct okay um and you know so uh if if you do want to do things that actually involve politics meaning <laughs> again the, the the they go to these ridiculous extremes it's like oh well this this story had a king and queen in it uh, in Dungeons and Dragons so that means it's political I mean that that's right. asinine yeah I mean uh, that makes no sense at all um, but if it is actually about politics meaning talking about parties and 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 uh, you know activism towards a certain thing you know I'm, that line is a little nebulous as well but I think that would be better off for a politically focused show but I wouldn't shy away from things that the weirdos say are politics but really aren't yeah. on a show like this or, or any of your other sci-fi for me branded shows so if, if we get all right so if we get into the weeds a little bit on the on the actual politics side of things written unrelated to science fiction fantasy horror space would you see that as better its own channel or 
a show because to me i'm thinking if, if we were to do something like that we'd do a new channel because the, the focus would be completely different from what we do here yeah I, I think that would probably be the first choice if you were delving into that with regularity uh, a separate channel probably would be my preference do what Well, yeah, and Mrs. Boss makes a good point. The people, the people who don't want us talking politics on this channel, they could find that over there on that channel, and that gives them another place to go. So, um, the doll, uh, MS says the doll story is political. So, what's that? Well, it is political, but it specifically involves uh, genre-related work. So, you know, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or Willy Wonka, and 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 James and the Giant Peach. All of those are children's fantasy books. So it does fall within our wheelhouse in terms of that. And I haven't really said very much in terms of the politics of it other than, you know, this is this is more of the woke crowd going in and trying to change something that they're not going to buy. You know, but it hasn't we haven't gotten too deep into the politics of it specifically in our discussion. I know other people probably have. And 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 that that conversation can can be had. Uh, but. <laughs> Excuse me. As long as it's like like Cam is saying here, as long as it falls within our space, I don't see where it, it's I mean, it's not off limits for me. It's fair game. Anything that falls into science fiction, fantasy, horror, even if it's culture war related, I think it's I think it's germane to the conversation. I agree. And and because someone else is trying to politicize something doesn't mean that that you're doing that or you observing that they're trying to politicize it doesn't mean that you're delving into politics right uh per se so <laughs> matt, matt tween says welcome to poli sci for me tv <laughs> right well and that's not the only thing we're talking about we'll 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 get to some other things i'm sure um all right so you had you had that point what you said you had something something else to address what was yeah there uh if i could just make a recommendation uh to uh this is following up on the dungeon and dragons issue yeah uh kyle brink the executive producer of dungeon dragons whatever that means <laughs> has been you know making the rounds and doing interviews and uh there's one uh, channel it's uh, bob world builder on youtube um i think this guy covers things very well he's he he's very polite and and you know generally mild mannered but he wasn't really taking any bs from from brink yeah. uh and and if i can add a bit of commentary that's what he's out there doing this guy's a shill uh, i mean no, i shouldn't i shouldn't say shill because he works for the company he's he's there for pr purposes uh, damage control, et cetera, and so on, which is no surprise to anybody, I suppose. But, so let, let me ask yeah, you this before you, before you keep going. Do you think that Kyle Brink is being set up as the fall guy in case all of this completely falls apart? Is he the one who's going to commit seppuku and fall on his sword for these guys? That's what I thought initially. That I said, well, this guy, <laughs> I feel sorry for this guy. He's, yeah. he's getting sent out uh, for slaughter. But uh, it's... It, the whole thing with the OGL and the open, um, I'm sorry, the um, creative commons and all that, it kind of took the pressure off and it, it let him be kind of uh, maybe even the hero of the situation. You know, he's playing that role. You know, he's, he's the guy that was able to deliver the good news um, because they shifted gears so much, but he's, he's still, you know, he, he's running a PR game for them and he's not bad at it, but he's, um, and this is why I like this, the Bob world builder interview in particular is he called him out, you know, and, and, and did further commentary afterwards and said, Oh, I missed this point where he was misleading me. Yeah. So his analysis, in addition to 
the actual interview is very good. So I would recommend it for anybody who's interested in that. But one thing that came out of that is the, the point I really wanted to make, and I'm, I'll, I'll finish up here and, and let you go. But um, he mentioned some, they asked a question about the dark sun setting, which you also mentioned on the show earlier this right. week. And uh, Brink said, oh, well, you know, that's problematic. And this falls into, you know, the Watsi uh, coward cowardice of, of basically just disavowing, you know, all this past work to hide from their, uh, unhinged community, uh, and, you know, whatever damage they're, they're going to do to, you know, to Watsi. Right. But, uh, you know, so my challenge, and I put it on Twitter myself, but you know, the guy doesn't answer anything, of course, is okay. You tell me what's problematic then these blanket statements, I'm tired of that PR garbage. You tell me what's problematic. I want you to be on record and say this is and this isn't because I don't want you to squirm out of it like they did with the Spelljammer stuff. You know, they produced the racist stuff by their definition or their agreement at least um, uh, and and yet seem to be blaming on everyone else. No, you get on record and you stand by it and you take the consequences for it. I'm, I'm tired of this squirming around and and placating you know, the 12 weirdos on Twitter, yep. uh, you tell me what's problematic and do it now. Not, oh, someone said it's problematic. Yep, we happen to agree. You know, I'm, I'm done with that. Yeah, well, and I think the other part of that, too, is it once you have them on record and can hold them accountable, <clears throat> you can also, <clears throat> excuse me, you can also uh, put this out in the public space for other people to hold them accountable. Instead of it's just, it's not just... He said, she said back there in the in the back room that nobody saw. Now you have now you have witnesses. Now you have something public that you can point to and say, Kyle, on X date, you said this. You know, what did you mean by that? What's what does this, you know, define your terms here? And then, you know, whether it's YouTube or Facebook or wherever on social media, you can now post a link to that and say, look at what Kyle Brinks is. I mean, this is what we're doing with the. You know, white white people can't leave fast enough. Comments, right? It was, you know, here's here's Kyle on record. We can actually roll the tape, and you can hear him say these stupid things, and hopefully that creates enough awareness <clears throat> among the player community, uh, the the D and D community, whether it's players or DMs or whoever, can look at this and say, Hey, Kyle, why would you say something so stupid? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there definitely needs to be accountability on on all levels with this stuff, because, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago, back when there wasn't an Internet, you could you could probably get away with more. But now we have this tool and anybody can use it. This democratization of of journalism, I guess, is in a in a broad sense. But, you know, just ordinary, regular, average people can can do the same thing and can do the homework and say, hey, Kyle, what do you mean by this statement? Hey, uh, you know, Puffin, we don't like what you're doing here. Why are you doing this? You know, those kind of things. We can hold people more accountable and we should. We need to. We need to hold people's feet to the fire a little bit more than we do. Agreed. All right, Cam. I think you made right, some excellent points. It. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Have a good weekend, sir. All right. Thanks. All right. The uh, the I I put I put there eight six seven five three zero nine. Jenny's standing by. If anybody wants to call in, you can uh, you can share your thoughts. It is open line Friday, <coughs> and whether it's 
seven people in the in the chat, and I've got seven seven open slots on the on the phone lines. I guess you could say. Anybody wants it? Well, I mean, so well, Mrs. Boss, let me ask you because we've talked about this this idea of accountability, not just with you know, businesses, you know, your politics, and every everything else, <clears throat> where you have what is that you've got? Is that artichoke. an artichoke? Is it artichoke? <laughs> It's this, it's this idea of of accountability that I think people people forget how to hold other people accountable because it makes you feel bad, and there are people who don't want to be held accountable because it makes you feel bad, and that that's a problem. <clears throat> All right, sci-fi stops. Got call was, it in. What? Oh, uh, what? what were you saying? I needed to say. After I had the artichoke in my mouth. <coughs> oh well, I was just going to ask ask you about the about the uh, the idea of accountability and stuff. But well, well, let's well let's knob here talk here for a minute, and we'll get back to you. Okay, fine. All right, how are you, sir? No, no, you uh, good, good. You can you can go to Mind- Mindy. I just came in. You were just you sounded so pathetic there with your. Uh, please call in. I just had to. I don't really. You felt I mean, sorry for him. I felt sorry for him, so I'm like, oh, he's. He's hey. dying there. I got to save him. Well, yeah. hey, you know. hey, I no, married with, him. I felt sorry for him. <laughs> you married me for my pizza and my dog. So I, you, feeling sorry for me didn't didn't enter in the equation for that. I don't know. What, not your great looks? I don't have great looks. He has the face for radio. <sighs> Isn't that so, how voice put it? Books? so, Mr. Snob, did you did, uh, do you have thoughts on the on the roll doll uh, reversal? You said yeah, it did. It is quick. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah, it was pretty quick. Um, wow. I'm, I you know I, I put in the chat. I can't see why anyone would want not the not classic version of anything, right? Like I want to read the author's original stuff. Yeah, and even if it's problematic, even if it's filled with racism. It's a reflection of the time that it was written in. And, you know, you can read the work and just enjoy it for what it is. But you can also analyze those aspects of it. And as I said in the chat, I mean, I like to explain to my kids, you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, that's, you know, my my daughter is, you know, she's 16. She's fairly woke in the sense because, <laughs> you know, she's at school yeah. and it's a public school. It's all the usual you know, propaganda that they're throwing at her. And I try to, you know, I try to, I don't want to tell her that she's wrong. Sure. Uh, but I have strong opinions, though. I don't want to tell her that she's wrong because then, you know, when you say, tell a kid they're wrong, they just say, oh, yeah, whatever. And they just go the opposite way. Yeah, I, I they'll, try they'll to. They'll dig in their heels and, and exactly. resist every attempt to correct yeah. them. Yeah. I try to, I try to, you know, say, well, you know, maybe you should look at that and maybe you should investigate it more and stuff. And a lot of times she's like, oh, whatever. But, um, you know, it's a way to explain kids, you know, kids team, seem to think and a lot of people nowadays seem to think that, you know, the, the the year zero theory, I call it, where it's, you know, when I was born is year zero and nothing ever happened before that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, mm-hmm. you know, why can't things be like this and that? And it's just no things happened before you were born or before you became aware of them. <laughs> yeah. And there's a reason why people are the way they are and things are how they are and you need to look at that and understand it you don't have to agree you don't have to agree with it and it could still be wrong um you know uh, that's a great american one of course is the usual slavery right yeah slavery everyone agrees slavery is wrong but that doesn't mean we can't look back and find out why it is and understand why that happened and 
you know, history is my thing. Um, and why, you know, if you can understand why things happen, you can see, you know, prevent it from happening again. You can see it if it happens again, or you can see, hey, we're going down this path and, you know, maybe we shouldn't because the last time we went down this path, this kind of thing happened. Or if we're going to go down that path, maybe we should be aware of the pitfalls of that path. Yeah, those so, who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So, yeah, so I mean, and that's the same with literature. That's why we should keep it how it is. And if you yeah. don't want to read it because it's problematic or you don't like the words they use, you know, then don't read it. You don't have to read it. Um, all the people complaining about Dahl, none of them are going to read his stuff. None right. of them. Right. I mean, his stuff is mainly written for children. You know, my I, I suppose I can tell you this because uh, my daughter, my younger daughter is not listening, but she's getting his collected works for uh, her birthday in a month. Nice. And uh, and my wife actually bought it. I saw it. You know, she didn't tell me she bought it. I saw it about a month ago. She bought it about a month ago. And then I'm looking at it thinking I'm thinking it's the change. It's the changed one. It's not. Like, it's not a classic version. I think she, and this was before this whole controversy came out. Now, I'm not sure if I want to give this, you know, these, these corrected copies or, you know, I don't, I don't know that the, I don't know that the, I don't know that the censored copies are out yet. Um, I want to say that maybe it's, but it looks, oh yeah, well, maybe you're right. Cause I haven't looked at it in detail. Yeah. I was thinking that there was all the presents. I think those were supposed to come out in March, if I remember right. I'd have to go back and look. I'm not so sure. So maybe we have a good copy. But I saw it. It looks like a new, like, it's a new, you know, it looks pretty new. It's It's got new artwork on it. It's, you know, yeah. it doesn't look like a classic. Like, she, she bought it off, uh, you know, a, a mainstream store or, you know, like a Walmart-type place, something like that. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I assume they were the corrected ones in, or the the censored ones and they came out already, but I could be wrong. I haven't looked at it, but uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I, you know, it's a good teaching moment for children because all of them think, especially teenagers, they think that, you know, everything is the way it should be because of X, Y, Z, and they don't have any idea of what happened beforehand. So. Yeah. Well, and, and the other part of that too is <clears throat> there is, <sighs> There, there are times, and and I I ran into this in in high school, and we run into this a, a lot, you know, in the modern era, where certain people will see things in stories subtextually that may not necessarily even be there, um, you know, because you can read. H.P. Lovecraft, for example, like you were saying, you can just read the story and you can enjoy the story and you don't get any of the allegory or anything like that from Lovecraft's racism or anything like that. Whereas you you have modern stuff that's really in your face with the message, but if if I'm reading a classic story, I'm not reading the classic story looking for the modern era sensibilities because I'm not going to find them. But, you know, interpreting, you know, just how, how many of us went through English, English classes trying to interpret all of the different stories that we wrote. I, I remember one time, and I can't remember which book it was. I really wish I could remember this. But you know how we always do analysis of, of books and what they mean and what is the author's intent and all that. And, and there was one in particular... <clears throat> where the author had done an interview where they'd asked him, 
you know, what what is this what does this story mean? It's like it doesn't mean anything. I wrote a story. It'll mean whatever you want to put it whatever you want to mean. You know, it, it we spend so much time trying to academic and analyze stuff that maybe not necessarily needs it. And we see things that aren't there. So, you know, if you if you see racism and it's not in the book, then maybe that's you. Not 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 yeah. you, Snob. I'm not saying. No, uh, but that's something yeah, no, I, I was. Saying. Um, I, I mentioned that in the chat there. Uh, yeah, you know, in the '90s when I was, you know, in college and taking uh, English classes, we had this. You know, this is the early '90s when you know uh, political correctness was first coming in, and uh, you know, she was all about. She was talking about Star Wars, right? And I, you know. I think Star Wars, is, there's not any deeper meaning, in, real deeper meaning in Star Wars. It's just a show about laser swords and space wizards, right? If I can yeah. say that. Um, but, you know, she was all analyzing it. And, you know, the whole, the lightsaber is a phallic symbol. And, you know, <laughs> the uh, Return of the Jedi, the uh, the Sarlacc pit is the tooth vagina. And it's, you know, men's fear of women and blah, 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 blah. It's just like give me a break like you're digging for something that's not there i mean yeah. who cares like i mean yeah. it's all great it's fun it's a fun intellectual exercise but you know don't think that you're going to you know write a book about you know all these how how uh, star wars is really a um, uh, a thing to teach men to hate women that and, sounds like uh, something that sounds like something uh, uh what was it the ripley project project ripley whatever that that was doing all yeah. of this st- oh what was that I know what you uh, mean. Reading Ripley, because they were doing because they were doing that same kind of crap with Star Wars when the sequels were coming out. Yeah. Rega- regarding Ripley, what was that? I don't. <clears throat> well, and I was I was going to point out because this was some you know this is something that's been that I have said a few times that once something is created, whether it's a story, a work of art, you know, a sculpture or a painting or a book or whatever. Once it's been released out into the wild, yeah. it's no longer, it's not, you know, I, I made a picture and I've sent it out there or I've written a story and I've sent it out there. I'm done with it. I put everything into it that I wanted to put into it and got out of it what I wanted to put into it and everything. As soon as Mr. Boss picks it up or Snob picks it up or some random Joe on the street picks it up, <clears throat> They're going to read my story or look at my picture, and it's going to become to them what they want to get out of it. And the problem is, is that you have people trying to put what they get out of it and make the whole world get out of it what they get out of it instead of respecting that I did my part. I have no means of, you know, insulting you. If you read an insult, that's because of what's going on in your head, not what's going on in my head. Yeah. And you run in, you know, you run into this stuff like this. So, you know, they don't understand that's the beauty of art. Everybody gets out of it what they want to get, but you're not supposed to sit there and force it. Have some great conversations on debating it, but don't try to force your opinion on someone else over it. But does this mean that with all the crap that is coming out where it's so woke and you're just looking at it like, what the heck? In a couple of years, can we rewrite it? <laughs> well, they're setting a precedent. They are. 
I mean, if, if, if they can do it to us, why can't we do it back to them? I mean, can you imagine half these books that are coming out and being, you know, hidden inside the public school systems, libraries? Mm. Can we change that over and see how they feel about their piece of art that they created and put their heart and their soul into yeah. getting messed up by some lunatic? Well, and and the other the other thing you know the other aspect of that and turnabout is fair play. Yeah, and and MS I think is the one that made the point about this a while back, is that you have these people that are creating this stuff, whose very identity is wrapped up in the in the work itself. <clears throat> so you know it's all about mal representation here, whether you're you're you know whether it's talking about race or sexual identity or 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 orientation or whatever and so if you criticize the work you're criticizing them personally them as a person them as people and we have to we talk a lot about separating the 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 art from the artist and these people don't do that they they make the work about the artist they 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 make the the tv show or the book or whatever about the people who are making it and they're so intertwined, interconnected that they take everything personally. What you say about the product, and there's no separation there. Well, if you're insulting, if you're insulting the movie, you're insulting me as the director who made it. I mean, Elizabeth Banks comes to mind with the whole Charlie's Angels reboot. And there needs to be some way that we can remind them, and I don't think we're going to be able to do this, but we need to, they need to remember that the art and the artist are two separate things. And you can criticize the work, whether it's craft, I don't like it, I don't like the looks of it, it's a dumb story, and not be criticizing the person personally. You're, cre- you're, you're, you're criticizing their craft, their execution of craft, but you're not getting into personality stuff and that's something that that gets lost a lot in a lot of these debates well i mean mean, how often do we sit there and talk about hating christensen being oh absolutely terrible in the prequels but then if you actually watch some of his other stuff or uh, kristen stewart in twilight you just ugh. but then you see her in the other stuff i mean it, it comes down to you know, it, it doesn't necessarily end up yeah. being, I don't know. Well, I mean, artists are, are, are very, you know, they're, they're usually known to sort of, you know, they have a stereotype of taking um, uh, criticism a little too personally, mm-hmm. uh, creative, t- creative types. But, uh, I mean, th- I think I agree with Jason. There's a big difference between, you know, a I might criticize your work and you might take that personally that oh well i made it because i poured myself into it and if you don't like it or if you think it sucks then that's an attack on me but that's not an attack on your identity right right just because you know i don't like your work and then you say well i mean it's it's we've taken it one more step nowadays where you know in the past you might say i hate this artist's work the artist would say hey well that's you know, I poured my soul into that. You're actually saying something about me. If you don't like it, I take that personally. But now they're taking it a step further and saying, you know, you don't like and and you, and you don't like it because I'm a woman or I'm a gay or I'm from this right. minority group or that minority group or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And, and by That's extension, 
and by extension, not only are you, you insulting that person, you're insulting the entire community of whatever it is that they, they identify all with. of these type of people because right. you didn't like my movie, and yeah. I'm this, and therefore you don't like any of these people that right. are, like, that are, share some sort of trait with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. where we're at now. All right. That's, MS that's is, MS is coming into the conversation. Welcome, sir. How are you? <laughs> uh, thank you. Welcome. Uh, so, yeah, I was just going to push back on some of the things that are being said. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All I'm right. going to give, I'm going to give a more of a, you know, more of a counselor type idea to some of these things. But I want to say first, I wrote in the chat, but I think it's a false idea that anyone can get whatever they want from a piece of art. Long time ago, you know, I was doing some studies on personality types. Yeah. And there's a, you know, there's different personality types. There's definitely a personality type that is, um, there's different studies on these kind of things. So, you know, different terminologies for different things, but but there is a personality type that actually does find their identity in the things they do. Cause I used to be like that. I mean, I'll just tell you a funny story, but me and my brother got into a fist fight over a game of chess and he punched a hole in my door <laughs> because, <laughs> because the chess game was an extension of who I am and who he is in our battle of our minds with each other. Mm. I think you would find that a lot of sports people and a lot of artist people, artistic people, things like that have that kind of mentality that I'm not just writing a, I'm not just writing a story for a story's sake or a song for a song's sake. I'm writing something that is a part of me. It's a part of who I am. It's a part of what I think. Now I do agree with what sci-fi snob is saying that, Today, today we've gone in so what modern psychology has done is gone so far into the ditch where it's saying whatever you put, whatever you value, whatever you find value in completely defines who you are. Right. And that's why you have people saying, if you don't like my work today or you don't like my painting or my song, you're insulting me. You're insulting my community. You know, you're ins- you're insulting the things that I find meaning and relevance for my life in. Yeah. And I do think that's a problem and it has been a problem. And it's a problem with a lot of these woke ideologies is it, the problem is, is they're saying it's OK for you to define yourself however you want, even when defining yourself in a certain way or a certain category is is going even beyond logic is going even beyond science is going even beyond what's normal and natural well the thing is though i mean and and you're you're making the point on the creator side of thing and your comment in the chat you know you're thinking that it's a false idea anyone can get whatever they want from a piece of art that's on the audience side and i still think that it's a it's a yes. valid point that if if i'm if i'm looking at the mona lisa for example I can mm-hmm. I can come into it with my life experiences, with my history, with the relationships that I have, and I can look at that smile and I can think she's up to something. She's a liar. She's a terrible person. She's a mm-hmm. sneak. And somebody else can come up with different life experiences. Can look at that and says, "Oh, she's she's keeping a secret for someone." You know, she you know that kind of thing. Or someone else so, will look at it and sit there and say, "That's Da Vinci and drag." 
<laughs> well, no, people yeah. actually so, no. It, it so is a belief. It's, yeah, so it's Ooh. the you know the interpretation of the work on the audience side of things is informed to a certain extent by all by life experiences and history and and knowledge and you know things that you know things that you that you think things that you believe. Yeah, faith. But that, I think you know, Mindy that. brings up a good what, what Mindy says. A good point though. If someone looks at the Mona Lisa and says that's Da Vinci and drag. Yeah. No, it's not. And it never was and it never will be. Because are you sure? Da Vinci never thought like that. Da Vinci wasn't a person who wore drag. Right. He wasn't a secret. You're you are just adding something into this that was never meant to be there. And that is a problem in our society that well, needs to be addressed. Except Except it's always been that way for the audience to add another layer of interpretation onto a piece of art. I, I mean, that's that's always that been okay. It. I think that our society has said it's okay to do this because we have this. Well, I want to okay, just say I'm, I'm I gonna, dropped out of college because of this. Well, see, I got into an but I'm gonna I'm gonna push back. Yeah, but I'll push back it. a little bit as well because society, humanity, has done this since the very beginning of the age. I mean, interpreting art is is inherent in the human condition and. And woke politics and all of that stuff aside, you know, take all of that part out of it. I'm just talking about the actual process of interpreting a piece of art. That yes. has always, always been a thing. To now, a the I'll, added listen, layer. I'll, I'll go even farther than Jason. I'll say that the difference between good art and great art and bad art is the fact that it can be Inter interpreted in different ways by different people. You can look at it and get something out of it and look at it again and get something out of it. And that's why people, you know, go back to places like the Louvre or the you know, art galleries and look at these same paintings for hours over and over again because yeah. they can see different, again. even if the same person well, can yeah. see different things in it by going back and looking at it again. That's yeah. what makes that's what yeah. makes it great. Something that doesn't have multiple meanings in it is has much less depth I agree to boring. a point. I'm agreeing to a point. I mean, again, it, you know, it's hard for me. I've tried to think of some examples, but it, as a pastor, I always think of pastoral examples. So maybe somebody the, can think of a sci-fi example. The Bible is well, a great, great But exactly. I would bring up the Bible you to can look in a, You can find <laughs> exactly. all kinds yes, of stuff. There. So, but let, let me see. But I, think, I, want I mean, say, I, I want to say this about the Bible. You can't, you can, you can read the same story over and over again and find new angles new ideas yes. in it but there is a point where you cross the line of what you can pull out of it and i think that's true for all art there's a point where oh there's you no question the about that nobody's arguing you're that adding yourself into it yeah but there's no there's there's no but there's no question the at some point of it but because that's the nature yeah that's the nature of art that's the beauty of it i, I mean i know the beauty of it. Well, no, because at some point there's always something else. I mean, like you point out, you could read the same story in the Bible a million times and find something else. And it's going to be relevant to you at that moment. Because what you're reading today is not going to be what you're reading in a week, which is not what you read five years ago. But what, because but what you've had your different li life experiences. And with art, you know, and if you're looking at art, one thing I like pointing out, two different things. One, I hate Monet. I absolutely hate Monet. I respect his Stop. I respect his uh, methods. I ex respect how he uses colors to enhance colors next to it. 
And it was always one of those things when I was in art history or, you know, working with students who were doing Monet's, it was just like, ugh. But now, when or, I saw my let's, first... Let's, let's take on for a second, let's establish for a second that Mindy has a history at, in, in art. Uh, one of her one of her things that she studied is is a major in college, I believe. At one point, my you, major you was were in, in art and English, and then I also taught art okay. um, when I was in Los so Angeles. Let's just establish credentials here, so it's not just <laughs> you. Maybe kind of my off. wife should taught. My wife is an art major <laughs> for, in Europe. She went to school in Europe. Oh, nice, so nice. I, you guys would love think, talking to each but other. But see, the I thing with the Monet, is... but like, but, but going back to the Monet, I hated it. But when I saw my first Monet in person, it was a completely different respect. I'm not saying I still I like him different any differently, but I can better appreciate it because when I finally got to see it, it was a collection of his work with the um, in the fields and the haystacks. Now, is that one of the ones that you wanted to touch? Oh, there's a few of them. <laughs> Trust me, they're the ones where they have to have a security guard following me in the theater uh, or in the which one? Because I hate Van Gogh. Van Gogh gives me a headache, but I really want to touch a Van Gogh because of the thickness the and the yeah, texture on the it. And then when I got to see in the National Museum, uh, the National Gallery in D.C., they have two of his cathedrals side by side because he painted it in the exact same place but at two different times a day so you get to see the differences and again i still don't like his work i like his earlier work where it's tighter and not so much of the loosey-goosey that he got into with his later stuff but i respect what he did and how he does it you know, it's just, and that's the thing is that every time i look at it i get something a little different i'm a little wiser to better appreciate what I'm looking at, have a better understanding, you know, and maybe it's just one of those days. And that's that's the thing is that when it comes to anything, whether it's reading the Bible, looking at a piece of a picture or reading a book, a science fiction book, you're going to get something out of it a little different because your life is no longer what it was the first time or the second time around. And it, you've got these people who sit there and think the whole world has to change to that particular moment well and and that's to cam's point here you know talking about yeah. you know they this there's a whole crowd of people that are you know our interpretation is the is the correct one and you all have to agree with us or else that's that's a problem but you also yeah, have cam. you also have this idea though that if you know some of these some of these people who are the creators of these things are injecting some of the stuff like MS is talking about. They're injecting some of themselves and whatnot. Now, if I'm if I'm watching the first season of Picard, for example, and if I Ugh. choose if I choose to ignore <laughs> if I choose to ignore the political allegories that they wanted to make about uh, about Brexit and Trump, because that's what he said in the interviews. Okay, that's what he said in the interviews. But I'm going to ignore all of that. Just so I can just sit and watch the show and enjoy the show. That's my choice. I don't have to sit there and try to try to derive meaning from a piece of art. It doesn't have to be one of those existential, you know, transcendental experiences. I can just look at a picture and say, oh, it's a picture of a boat and and move on with my life. It, nothing. All of this stuff 
we put so much emphasis, well, certain people do, put so much emphasis on the meaning behind things, we don't, we, we're not allowed to enjoy them or not enjoy them, as the case may be. And, you know, you look at Picard, it's like, I hate Picard. But it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that Patrick Stewart said all of these stupid things ahead of it. I mean, that was part of it. But it's a bad, it's a bad show. Poorly well, executed. But at the same time, you have to look at where is this person coming in from society? You know, you're talking to, you know, if I could sit there and talk to MS's wife about art all day. And our opinion is going to be completely different than my mom, who has no clue the difference between, you know, yeah. who Mane and Mone is, except for the fact that there's an A and an O difference. See, and I don't think mayonnaise and belongs on a painting. Cam, Not yes, you can jump in. I, you silly man. But, that was a bad joke. <laughs> but it, it is also because my mom has no background in it. And so she's going to be looking at it just like a lot of people who have looked into and read and, you know, watched Picard, my cousin. He loved Picard. But at the same time, he's not reading the stuff that you and I are reading, and we're yeah. not following what we're seeing <coughs> on YouTube and Twitter and all that See, stuff. See, and, and that's the thing, is you have the normies, the, the people what are just the regular people who are, who, are, who are looking at this stuff, they're reading the books, and it's only when you get stuff like this Roald Dahl thing that gets out into the public space where... The the regular media is doing coverage of it, Associated Press, NBC, wherever, CNN. That's when regular people start to pay attention to this stuff. What what do you what did they do to Gina Carano? Wait, what happened? And people start paying attention to that stuff. Whereas all of us, we're steeped in it. We're we're watching this stuff on YouTube. We're paying attention to all this stuff and discussing it and back and forth. We have knowledge that normal people don't have cams back in you want to you want to jump in there so throw it throw it answer <laughs> yeah thanks for having me back um the, the, this this whole subject is is kind of a, a sore spot for me um and it relates to uh storytelling not just pre, you know any kind of art but the storytelling aspect is where it really comes uh home to me and <clears throat> so i like you've all been talking about and i think everyone agrees is is someone can uh take in a piece of art and appreciate it and and that might have meaning for them like like mindy was saying uh, because of their personal experiences and they can take away whatever they want for themselves that that is entirely appropriate the problem has become uh that people think they can project their views back onto the art and it can never go that direction you you, you can for yourself personally but the expectation that the art adopt your personal experience or your view right. or, or, or becomes anything based on, on what you take away is, is entirely wrong. You can never change the art. The artist defines what it is. People can take all kinds of different things from it, but they can't put themselves into it. And, and, but that's exactly what's happening. People think, <clears throat> excuse me, that they have ownership of these things. They uh, become very <clears throat> attached to these things in a very unhealthy way, and they think that uh, their experience in, in, um, with that art somehow defines the art. And, and that 
is a fundamental misunderstanding of what storytelling is about, what art is about. It, it, it is one of the biggest problems in our society today. People do not understand what storytelling and what art is and, and can be. They want it to be about them, and that's wrong. Well, and I think and I think I think that's gone a little, and and I think that's you've identified the problem. You and Mazurus were talking about it in chat a little bit back, and the the further that problem is that they take that identity in, and then they project it onto everyone else. Yeah. And now you must now agree with what I've done, and if you disagree or you criticize this piece of art or whatever, then you're criticizing me. So they put themselves into it, and then they put that out to everybody else. And you might have exactly. a completely well, different and, thing. And that's not that's not fair. And, and, it's and not, you could make the it's, argument it's that it's not just the woke crowd that does it. I mean, you look at fan, you look at Fandom Menace, you look at Doomcock, you look at Comicsgate, you look at all of these different movements, these different consumer movements out there, and there's the same potential pitfalls for I. I'm going to assume this thing is woke crap. I mean, look at you know Picard season three. Everybody's assuming that it's going to be woke, or it's it's a bait and switch, and it's good now. But Terry Metalis is going to rip rip our our hearts out that at the at those the things are based point. on experience though. Those that's are true. Not, uh... That's true. But the the knee jerk assumption, the 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 reflex, this is going to be bad. That's just as much of a trap as. This is going to be fantastic because the the writer is gay. You know, it's it's that same kind of thing where we're we're putting ourselves into boxes as as fans, as political animals, all of these different things. We're we're automatically getting into, you know, there's there's a risk that we get into this lockstep of it's going to be this way because this is what I believe and I'm part of this group and and in order to belong to the group, we all believe the same thing. Can I but, use but how much should I how much should I forgive you though, Jason? Like, right? Like your your spouse cheats on seven you once. Seven times seventy. And they and they <laughs> right. your, your spouse cheats on you once and uh, you know, claims forgiveness and says it'll never happen again and they do it again. Yeah. And then again and again like how many times? I know I know MS is gonna say seven times seven, basically you should always forgive them. But you know, this I mean I'm we're talking about I'm not talking about yeah. something. You don't need I'm to talking about something unimportant in pop culture. I'm not talking about <laughs> You know, like if looking at it that way, yeah. fool me once, shame on uh, you. Fool me twice. How many times should I, should they bait and switch me before I? Yeah. So I mean, you know, we disagree on Doomcock. I, I'm not saying that he's, you know, maybe he's going overboard, but I can see where his position is because I, well, and I don't, I times. don't think, I don't think he's wrong, but I also think he's being a hypocrite because John Favreau is in the exact same position that Terry Metalis is in, and. Even more so now that this report from WDW Pro comes out this this morning, that Disney has uh, uh, the what he's being told is that Disney has contracted with Gollum Productions, which is Favreau, and it's not Lucasfilm that's hired John Favreau to do Star Wars. It's Disney that's contracted with Favreau's production company to do Star Wars. So Grogu, Mandalorian, Cara Dune, all of the stuff that they created for the Mandoverse, that belongs to Favreau. So there's a whole different layer of things that have come into this. But if, 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 if Doomcock is going to be consistent, then he would say the same thing about Terry Metalis that he says about John Favreau. John Favreau is going to save Star Wars. 
But Terry Metalis is just part of the same same machine that gave us all this crap. You can't have it both ways. That's well, my that's yeah. my problem with what with what Doomcock has been doing. I don't have a problem with his stick. He, you know, that's his bit that he's doing the character. He's got to lean into it, but he's not consistent. That's my gripe. Let me just jump make, in. Let me just yeah. make one comment on that yeah. real quick. Consistency is the hallmark of the unimaginative Oscar Wilde. <laughs> uh, yes. I, I Actually, I, the Picard, I think the Picard in comics, I think will help illustrate maybe what I'm trying to say about how we interpret things. Okay. The, the problem is, is and, and maybe this will help uh, Sci-Fi Snob maybe watch Picard season three. I haven't watched it yet either, though. So I'm, I'm, I'm I don't want to be a hypocrite. Tell you I'm to watch watching it. it. That's why I'm saying it's crap. <laughs> are you uh, are you watching it's... season three? It's not no, I, I yeah. am. Yes. You're watching season three. Okay. All right. Yes. I'm up. So here's speed. what I'm saying. Um, Picard is an established character. The Star Trek universe is an established universe. Yes. It has a history. Picard has a history. He's done things over and over and over again. He thinks a certain way. He does things a certain way. Then what happens is somebody takes that character, takes that universe and says, I want to tell my story. I want to tell what I want people to think. Or, and they take your character and they make your character, they make that character do things completely against it, that, that character's own eternal logic, own eternal history, against the world's eternal logic, the history of the world. And as a fan, I sit there and say, that is a wrong interpretation. You cannot interpret with how you want to interpret Star Trek. If you want to write that show, you need to create your own character in your own universe. So that's where I say, that's where I'm in disagreement that people should be allowed to interpret anything any way they want. Well, but going back to what you're saying about Picard 3, if, if a new showrunner comes in and says, Hey, I respect what the character is, and I respect what the show is, and I'm going to interpret it at least with. There are ways to tell the stories you want to tell without having to violate the character in the yeah. universe. Well, and let me let me point out too that and they don't how, know that they don't know how to do that. Well, the way the way they got Patrick Stewart to even consider coming back is they gave him story input. And and this whole this whole thing about Picard and his parents, his his the abuse when he was a child, that's Patrick Stewart's life. That's not Jean Luc Picard's life. But since Stewart had such an in uh, uh, an influence on what kinds of stories are being told, okay, we're we're getting an interpretation of the character, but we're getting a a, a mistaken misbegotten interpretation of the character from the person who plays the character. Well, he's not the character. He's, he's not actor. the character, but he's got the clout because without without Patrick Stewart, you don't have Picard. So, you know, where where does that fall into the producers are sitting there going, well, you know, Sir Patrick, that's actually not your character. Well, then he walks and Paramount doesn't have anything that they can sell. So I, I totally agree with you that there are times when, when, when the writers are responsible for the integrity of the character, but when you, when you have a mess caused by the person playing the character, you got to figure out some way to fix it. I think Terry Metalis is doing a good job of trying to repair. He can't fix everything, 
and we're only two episodes in. No, I can't. But they, I'm I'm they liking. They never should have started so the series. They no, they shouldn't. Said, they they it's not they, gonna work. Because the it. the biggest I mean, problem the biggest problem with season one is that Patrick Stewart didn't want it to be a next generation reunion, which is what everybody was expecting. But yeah. he said no. So this is this is what should have been season one. Get the Can, band back and, together. Give them their finales. You know, let them let them have their their sign off, and ride into the sunset. And we didn't get that. We didn't get it with Star Wars. I you know I'm a little even, you know even just watching Patrick Stewart you know shuffle around on set there with his bent over and he like he looks super old. Yeah, well, and, and he, I'm just he, I kind of just feel sorry for him when he's I. He's got a it. little like, he's got a little energy at the end of the ep, uh, at the end of the second episode. I'm just like yeah, but even but even just in the scenes he's just sort of I'm just like you know maybe we should just, just let him retire gracefully, man. Maybe yeah. you don't. But, well, it, and and Picard is older. The Picard's character, the, the the character of Picard is something like ninety four at this point. So Stewart is playing older, so that could be part of it too. And and maybe it's the future. They're better health. Yeah, and, that's true. And and he's a synthetic, so it shouldn't matter. But maybe <laughs> maybe we'll get more of that as we get into. You know, now he's taken command. Spoilers, by the way. Now he's c- t- taking command of the Titan. Now he's the captain again, and and we have that mentioned. Oh. You know, we have this mentioned in this in this episode. You know, most people when they think of you, they think of you without that extra pip. They think of you as the captain. So maybe we're headed to a point char- from a character arc standpoint where Picard remembers what it is to be Captain Picard. I'm not saying that's where it's going to go, but everything that I've seen so far from everybody who say they've seen all of the episodes of this season, I don't hear anybody saying that there's a bait and switch coming. There's about, I, I, I wrote a list for that for episode two. There's about, I don't know, a thousand things that are like small <laughs> things that are wrong with everything. Even just that, you know, you can't be a retired admiral and go on some guy's ship and say, I'm taking command. No, you're not. You're not in the military anymore. You're retired. <laughs> yeah. If you don't get off my bridge, I'm going to put you in the brig. Yeah. What the hell? Like, there's just a million ones like that. But I'm trying to zero in on what the what the overall main problem I find with the series is, as opposed to... Um, just these, I mean, a thousand, you know, cuts by a, a thousand paper cuts, but yeah. I mean, they, they may, they mean something, but they're not. The so, so let me ask you this. On. Let me ask you we this. Can, we can talk about it if you want, but it's just, well, just, I just, uh, I have, I have one, one question. Let me, let me ask you a compare and contrast question. <clears throat> so did, did you see season one, season two of Picard? I saw everything. Okay. Is I hate se- myself. Is season three. Better than season one and season two. Just, just you know, comparing apples I, to apples here. I can't say yet because I haven't seen the whole thing. Okay. The problems with Fair season enough. one and season two came later. Like, like the problems that these huge problems that we saw were were seen later. And like, I don't remember when when uh, blonde science woman murdered the guy in his in his on in the <laughs> hospital. That was season episode three or four. Like, yeah, I mean, something like that. Yeah, I'm like, what? It's Starfleet. You're going to murder a guy? Oh, it's okay. And then, of course, it wasn't until that was like a, a cliffhanger or something at the end of the episode. So we didn't find out till the next episode. Where they're all like, oh, you murdered the guy? Oh, okay. Well, don't worry about it. 
it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like it was. We yeah. see, so it takes season time for one you and to season see these giant bad. problems. Yeah. But um, so you know, is it, are they gonna? Is he gonna have these giant problems in the later in the episode in the later in the season? I don't know. But so far, based on two episodes, I'm not impressed with what I've I've seen. Yeah. And it's a combination of. Um, uh, those small little things like the one you mentioned, and there's so many of them. Um, I got a list of them here, but <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to focus in on the big thing and I'll, I'll, I'll put the big thing in there. I haven't quite got it fully formed yet, but I'll put it out there and maybe other people could see. And I think it's the, this is a part of a modern writer's problem. It's the, the writer's don't see the characters as characters they see them as uh, vessels for them to uh, yeah, throw the exposition out there yeah right like there's a, a if, if you want to get there's a part where shaw i mean i i don't like his character but he could be an interesting character uh he goes they're talking on the bridge about the ship and he's like there's two separate conversations where he's talking about how that ship is way more powerful than you know, their ship. And he yeah. says it twice. And I'm just thinking, if you're the captain of a ship, you know, your crew is in a life or death situation. Are you going to talk about how horrible it is, how we're all going to die? Like, oh, that ship's way more powerful. No, you got to be positive and say, all right, I've come up with a plan. Here's our plan. And, you know, your subordinates might be, you know, they might, well, it's only got a small chance to work, but at least the captain thinks he knows what he's doing and I'll follow him. I mean, there are, well, just going to complain. Yeah. But let me, let me horrible... point out that in, in the original series, there were a couple of two, three episodes where something like that was going on. I, I just, I just, we just watched the apple here not too long ago and it's not a great episode, but uh, you've got uh, Val, the, the the mechanical god, sucking energy out of the Enterprise, and Kirk's talking to Scotty, and Scotty's like, "We're doing everything that we can, and it's not working. We're gonna die." And, and Kirk's that's like, "Scotty, that's not Kirk." Yeah, but Kirk is sitting there going, "You got to do better. You you got to fix this, or you're fired." And and Scotty's like, "I we're doing everything we can," and and Kirk says, "We'll try this and try this." And see, there's so, that's positive. That's positive. Yeah, Not, but we're it's, gonna die. it's the same. It, it, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, you. Uh, 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 um, oh, I, was, I don't th- see it as the same. I see there's a difference in there. Yeah. Well, and I think, I stop saying the captain has to be the positive. The captain does. But run like chickens without heads. Yeah. Shaw's got an arc. I hear. I don't know what it is. See, but in, in your example, Kirk is is getting Scotty back on task. Yeah, but he's right? also got to do this, got to do that. But and, he's also stuck. The, we all know Scotty lies about that, though. He, he's that's just true. lowering <laughs> expectations. That's right. Right? Right. But but that's this true. is the opposite, right? Because this is Shaw going, "Oh, we're got we're in this," and he says it. He says it in one conversation, and then he says it again. Yeah. So we're all, and it's just, it's like he's almost throwing up his hands. Shaw, and, Shaw and reminds like, me of Captain Jellicoe. Very straightforward, he, very, he, very, you know, best pessimistic. He does not remind me of Jellicoe at all. Because I saw Jellicoe as, like, the the opposite way he operated as Picard. But he was still a captain. He's still positive. He was like, we're going to do it my way. He's got a, he's got a direct, it's a different vision than Picard, but he's yeah. got a vision. And he's following it. And I mean, Shaw is like, like in this episode, he says, okay, well now finally, you know, seven, you're going to the brig and you're under arrest and you're relieved of duties. What? She took your ship the exact opposite <laughs> way of where you told her to. And you're just yeah. like, I like, I can't imagine 
go do, you know, go drive us over here. No, I'm going to drive over here, like, the opposite way. And he's just like, oh, okay. Like, he should have put her in the um, jail right off the bat. What the hell? The yeah. episode, the episode. She's um, the number Hang one. on, hang on, hang on. The episode of Mock <laughs> Time in the original series they, did exactly that. Kirk, I mean, they're they're ordered to go to this thing on wherever it is, Rigel Seven or wherever, and so Spock's got this problem. It's you know, no, he won't talk about it to anybody, but he insists he's got to go to Vulcan, and Kirk's like, "All right, well, we'll go to Vulcan as soon as we get done with this other mission that I'm under orders to go to," and in the middle of the night, Spock orders the ship to go to Vulcan instead, and but there's Kirk, some, but Kirk doesn't throw Spock in the brig. But there's some, but those characters have a close relationship, right? And and Kirk is like, I mean, everything we get from Shaw about Seven is that he's dismissive of her. You know, in this episode, she talks about how, you know, when I was a, a ranger, and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, those anti-establishment piratey types, and he like dismisses them. Yeah. And this is another problem I had with this one of the other thousand small episodes. Like, if you're the captain and you're like, you you know, you're in a situation you don't understand, you're facing this, and she's like, oh, I know some information. He's just going to put her down? No, you're going to suck every bit of information from her and try to get everything to get an advantage. He's like, oh, yeah, when you were a pirate, oh, yeah, you served a pirate, blah, blah, blah. Like, what the hell is he doing? What kind of leader is that? I think he it's feels... Just, he refuses to assimilate. It's just dumb. Well, he doesn't have to assimilate. Well, he just has to... See, the like, thing why wouldn't you a... suck up all the information to try to save your crew? I want, I want to save my crew, but you have information for me. But because I don't like what you were before, I'm not going to use your information or I'm going to belittle you. That's just... That's just stupid. That's... There are... There are captain. There are officers. There are corporate executives who are like that. I mean, that's... That's people. Okay, but then we've established he's a bad captain, right? Like, he's not a... Well, maybe and, he's got something to learn. Maybe that's the maybe, isn't the they, Titan, maybe that's his arc. Okay, so isn't the Titan, uh, uh, like, it's a, one of the more important ships in the fleet, isn't it? Like, like the, I, the, I don't the Enterprise was the, was the flagship of the fleet. Right. So they put... Picard was their number one captain when he took over that, right? Yeah. And he had a captain ship before on the Stargazer. So... And and I my assumption is I don't know what the Titan is, but I, I'm assuming it's a fairly important ship. Titan's a, Titan's an exploratory, uh, not not a science vessel, but it's go out and see what's out there type ship. So it's somewhere where you'd put your better people. It's not the flagship. You maybe not your best person. Yeah. But I'm assuming that he's a good captain. He's older. He's not like it's not like his first command. It's probably his second captaincy right that's Maybe. what they usually put they don't put a guy first time captain don't put him in charge of the aircraft carrier uh so i assume that but he doesn't seem he's not acting that way like if he needs to i don't know it's just there's just so much where he's you know he's yeah. he's talking about oh there's another one that was the kind of the key thing where he's just talking about you know what's happening oh he mentions that oh so here we are stuck we're days away from another ship and, you know, we're in this horrible, sit- like he's reading off the situation and he's kind of like, not like positive, I'm going to fix it. But like, look what the mess you gave us. In. And I'm like, how yeah. can you be days away? How long did Seven fly the ship? How long did he sleep in his in his cabin before he realized that the ship, like what we've, they've been going at warp nine for days or whatever. And well, now he they're reali- on, finally realizes they're this far away. They're outside. They're outside Federation space. I know that much. I don't know as far as terms of... of days away he could be he could be exaggerating for effect he's exaggerating he can't there's got to be a ship 
they can't be that far outside of Federation space. Did he? How long did he sleep in his cabin? A week? He didn't notice that his ship was going the wrong way? I had two brothers in the Navy and and my best friend. I know one thing about when you're on a ship. Everybody is working. Everybody works together towards a singular goal. Yeah. And obeying the captain on a ship, especially in the Navy, is so vitally important because if you met, if you wrecked that, my other brother actually on a submarine, you know, you don't make mistakes on a submarine <laughs> that costs your life right there. Right. So you're not going to be your, your, the attitude that they show is, is a little bit flippant considering the risk that they're putting their life into. Well, and I think yeah, that's that's I partly agree. that's partly Shaw's uh, attitude is like, you know, I've got I've got 500 people here I've got to consider. You know, but and and he the keeps saying that, but he never does anything. About well, it. they establish in the dialogue that if we turn tail and run, this ship is going to blow us out of space. And I've got 500 people I don't want dead. And so and then and it, so and that's what I mean. And this is kind of what I'm talking about. You know, uh, TV movies are about show, don't tell. And all they do is tell. Yeah, because at the end of the episode, what do they do? They turn tail and run and they don't blow up. They don't turn into, quote, vapor. Well, so we what the yet. hell we're, is he talking we've, about? We've ended on a cliffhanger because the Shrike is going after the Titan. So we haven't seen that part yet. But, but they at least, but he said, if we turn tail, we're vapor. Yeah, right? they're going to change. Getting the impression that if I turn the ship around, literally, they'll blast me and we'll be dead instantly. But that doesn't happen. Right? It's just, you okay it's there? show don't, t- it's show don't tell, they don't do it. Yeah. And it's this whole, you know exposition by talking which and so the characters the characters just seem to me like they just talk and they tell you what the writer wants you to okay. think you remember so you remember how the next generation was a bunch of people sitting around talking a lot in the conference room right because that's what picard does <laughs> it's yeah. i mean picard was Why much doesn't... much more of a talker than a doer like like kirk kirk was the cowboy picard yes, was the diplomat and they did a lot of, of talking in the next generation He's like, why and don't you just shoot but him? But that's fine. But they had discussions about things, yeah. and you learn, you know, you learned about the characters when they talk. This is just some guy doing a soliloquy on the bridge. If he's going to fight with Picard about what they should do, why don't they go into the ready room and talk about it instead of in front of all these ensigns and uh, impressionable junior officers? Well, and Kirk, Kirk has argued with ambassadors on his bridge before when they were on a meeting, uh, when they were the uh, going to a meeting R seven. Ambassador Fox, uh, he and he and Kirk had it out right right there on the bridge more than once. And that's an ambassador who's not in the military. These Kirk, are uh, to your point, Picard's not not in Starfleet anymore either. True, but and he's same a kind former of admiral. And if you're going to and and I'm sure, like I don't remember specifically the Kirk in, in, in thing that you were talking about. Yeah. I'd have to go back and see it. But were they insulting him? Was he? Was uh, there you know, were Shaw some, saying things there, like, there were some "Oh, you barbs. boys are gonna"? Yeah, there were some barbs being traded. Now there were some barbs being traded there. Ba- ba- you guys ever, it's very, yeah. it's very <laughs> juvenile. Well, it you is. Boys but, are really gonna, but it's you better. Boys really got us in trouble. Comparatively speaking, it's better than seasons one and two. I'm, I'm not completely. It's great. I, I'll say it's better. Um, and, and that's, that's, that's all I got. MS, you were starting to make a point. I was just going to say, you ever watch a show with somebody and they're like, they start, they start asking you 
why do you do that? What's going on here? Why, why, <laughs> yeah. why that? And you're like, well, didn't you hear what he just said? Or didn't you write, you watch yeah. this? That's what the modern writing today is. It's like the people today aren't smart enough to figure out what's going on by the things happening around them. So instead, they just have the character just straight out tell you, I'm going to go over here and punch Picard in the face. And then they walk. According to snob, they say it that they don't even do it. <laughs> I have I have yeah. lost I have it, lost it count. I have lost count of how many times uh, I I'm sitting and I'm watching something with Mrs. Boss, <laughs> and the questions start. Well, wait a minute. Right. What is what is that? What is he talking about there? And what? And generally, there will be uh, a, a moment where I have to hit the pause button. <laughs> Take a breath and remember that I'm introducing a person to something that they've never experienced before. She's never she's never seen this stuff, you know, is Deep Space Nine. She's never seen this? Trek, even the original. Well, she's seen some, yeah. But wow. we're we're going through Deep Space Nine now, you know, all, episode to episode to episode. And occasionally there'll be a question about you know and it'll be esoteric stuff. It's not it's not basic questions. It's more mm -hmm. deep dive questions. Yeah, yeah. That's a so you know, we can get into, well, you know, the Ferengi culture and why Klingons are this way and what's this about. Right. And sometimes we'll get into more of the production side of things, you know, because when uh, trials and tribulations happened with the you know the trouble with tribbles and mm -hmm. and all of that right. and when everybody looks at Worf and they go those are Klingons and he yeah, says yeah. we do not discuss it and that and that was all it was <laughs> where yeah, you yeah, have absolutely. you have the whole background on the real world side of things where they didn't have the budget in the original show to do the Klingons the way they wanted to do it. And that's what we ended up in, you know, when Star Trek The Motion Picture came out. Those are what the Klingons were supposed to look like from the beginning. But they didn't have the money to do it. So, you know, and, and when Worf sat there and said, we don't talk about it, that was the end of it. It was a joke. It was a gag. It was, it was, it was a one-off. And then Enterprise goes in and tries to explain it. But you have somebody who's watching the show and go, well, wait a minute, how did how did they explain this? How did they do this? And so you get this whole discussion behind the scenes about this stuff. Those those are generally the times where I have to hit pause yeah. and explain things to them. But that's that's not explaining the that's not having to explain the story. Exactly. That's it's true. That's written. true. That's, that's true. the background. To the, let me just let me just yeah. uh, you know sum up for Picard. I'm going to keep watching because I want to see. What's going to happen? Yeah. I don't think it's going to be as bad as season one and two because there's not going to be, uh, you know, blonde murder woman type of stuff in there, <laughs> like things that completely break everything. Yeah. Or you know, having a magical uh, device which shows you everything that happened in a room months ago, like stuff like that. Right? There's not going to wow. be those crazy things that are. But again, I think that the problem with the show is the same as the problems with season one and two, which is poor writing and this whole, you know, instead of tell, don't, don't show uh, poor writing, this, you know, uh, characters that go around making expository speeches and that turn out don't to not even be true. Yeah. Um, that's the, that's the problem. They're destroying, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's poorly written. It's objectively badly written. It's All like right. every character is an unreliable narrator. Yes. Hey, I have a friend. I've been helping him with a book that he's writing, and 
we're, we're discussing things about, you know, the show don't tell, you know, you, you introduce a, uh, you introduce a mystery at the beginning. It doesn't matter what you're writing. You can be writing fantasy. You can be writing a mystery. Even every good Michael Crichton book, it always had that first chapter, that first prologue. It's, it introduces a mystery. Of course, when you see read the mystery, you start having questions. Oh, what's happening? Why is this? Why is this? Why are they doing this? What's their motivation for this? And then you read the story to discover those things, usually through their actions, usually through other characters doing things and talking about things. Whereas today, it's like, you know, like Snob's saying, it's, oh, here's, I'm going to introduce this character. He's doing something. He's doing something. And then he's going to turn around, look at the camera, tell you exactly why he's doing it, who he is, and and what he's going to do next. And that just ruins ruins it at that point. Because you're like, yeah. well, then why do I want to watch the show now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a, I, we I, had I a book. mention other, uh, I just, I would just look back at, look back at all the TV shows you've watched, the first episode of these really great TV shows and think about that and compare it to season, you know, episode one, season three of Picard. I'll, I'll mention things like the Sopranos, the wire, um, mad men. I mean, you watched those first episodes and you were like, wow, I want to see the rest. Yeah. You don't you don't get that feeling when you watch any of this well, of this Kurtzman Trek crap. I, I should point out that the first episode of Star Trek The Next Generation was pretty bad too. The first couple well, the first of seasons, seasons the first, first couple of seasons, seasons were bad. Yeah. Come on. They didn't hit their stride until I don't know what, best of both worlds almost. But I call I call season one. Wesley Crusher saves the Enterprise every <laughs> yeah. week. I mean, it was well, and season was two. But there's season two was handicapped by the writer strike, and yeah, we yeah. may be getting a writer strike and a director strike and a producer strike all at once. So we could we could be seeing a Hollywood shutdown altogether. But comparing so. comparing those old shows to today is also different because they were more episodic yeah. versus the day where you want to have a. A narrative that drives the whole season. Yeah, DS9 was the first Trek that actually got into serialized and, story format. And even those first episodes of Next Generation, I mean, there's the seed of a good story there. You've got some good characters. Mm -hmm. You can build on them. You know, it was a little bit, you know, but yeah. but there's seeds of something there. Yeah. You know, I'd like to comment. It's it's very strange hearing people discuss the merits of a show with each other and and likes and dislikes uh, without uh, this weird political stuff. It's very very <laughs> odd. And by the way, Picard hates women. <laughs> well, and another thing. Yeah. It. I no. It, it. See, and this is the kind of thing. These are the kind of conversations that we used to have all the time when we were younger. Yes. Except. Nowadays, it's it's online and it's injected with whatever you know, whatever flavor of the month yeah. that you've got to be offended by. And if we say these comments, then we're we're prejudiced and racist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, we will leave that there because uh, I gotta I gotta head out and start doing prep for tomorrow's show. Tomorrow, uh, you could join us in the morning, eleven a.m. Eastern, ten Central, for Good Morning Multiverse. With the week's headlines and uh, everything, well, as much as we could pack into a show. Uh, and then also tomorrow we have a new episode of Foreign Bodies at 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 Central. 
that is part of the overall big lineup of shows that we have here. So do uh, hope you join us for those. Uh, also connect with us on all the different social medias. Uh, where you can find us uh, various different places, different video platforms, different social media platforms. There's a Subscribestar account. There's the Discord server uh, where the, these conversations can continue. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for being here. So if it's not BMS, Cam, good to have Cam. all of you in here. Thank you. Yeah, Ms. Thank Ms. You. Boss, yes. You and have... don't forget, next week, Open Line Friday, Mr. Boss's birthday. Yeah, 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 whatever. It's not like and that. can we get some more lights before then? Because it's kind of dark. <laughs> you, you, want, you want me and Snob to sing happy birthday? I'll give him a guitar. Yes. <laughs> oh, um, I'm a good singer. Thanks for watching, yes. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> have a have a good week and remember there are four lights this has been a presentation of sci-fi for me.com copyright 2023 by flaming dog media llc all rights reserved no portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of flaming dog media you're listening to sci-fi for me radio 